0: Hey everybody out there in podcast land, this is Roll It. I am one of your hosts, Ryan, and with me as always is the co-host this podcast deserves and the one it needs right now, Ty Lore. How you doing, Ty?
1: I'm doing good, Ryan. I can't, I'm not going to even, that was it for me. um, That's that's good. Yeah, I'm doing doing good.
0: (laughs) That's good. (laughs) So uh, this week we're, this is one I've had my eye on. And I wanted to wait longer, but we just said, "Screw it, let's do it." So we are doing the 2008 film, directed and co-written by Christopher Nolan, The Dark Knight,
1: starring the great Christian Bale, Heath Ledger, Aaron Eckhart, Michael Caine, and Gary Oldman. Oh, and Morgan Morgan, Freeman. And Morgan Freeman.
0: (laughs) I mean, this is loaded. It's a loaded movie. Yeah. So good. I mean, you look at all, which I guess we'll get into this later, but I just, you look at all those people, and still, Heath Ledger steals the show. All those talented actors, it's his movie. It's no oh, Nobody sure. else is in this movie. It's him. For sure. So, what do you think about this movie, Ty?
1: I love it. I love this movie a lot. And we actually, after we were done recording the last podcast, we talked a little bit, because... Um, I had just watched Dark Knight Rises a couple months before, and I thought that was my favorite of the of the trilogy. Man, Although Batman that was Begins day. is like a vague memory right now, but after watching this again, I yeah no nah, I this this leaps back up to first place. Dark Knight Rises drops back down to second.
0: Man, and, that's a hot uh, take though. Dark Knight Rises in second, hot take tie.
1: I dude that's, I vaguely remember, like, I vaguely remember the end of Batman. Uh, Batman Begins. Yeah, it's like it's not like some spectacular ending though. It's just kind of him writing off.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, this I guess well, this isn't a podcast to talk about rises <laughs> and begins, but anyway, anyway, go ahead, keep going.
1: Uh Well, now I lost my train of thought. No, (laughs) it's it's really like, it's just a really awesome movie. I mean, as far as superhero movies can go, this was like a really, really cool one. And it didn't feel, I don't know. I don't know how to put this. Like, I I, I don't know. I don't know how to say it. It just felt like a, it wasn't like as corny as some superhero movie heroes could come off as. Granted, in the last, you know five years or so we've had some really awesome superhero movies,
0: mm, but, um but sheer volume, you're going to have some good ones, right? Yeah. Cause they're just pumping them out like crazy.
1: Exactly. And, uh, I don't know. This is just, I, I really like how he did it. And I was never a comic book guy. I, I never read, uh, like any of the d- Batman comics or anything like that. So my only exposure to Batman has been in movies. Um, and obviously like only the good ones. <laughs> yeah (laughs) we didn't we didn't we don't have to go too far back in time but um no yeah it's it's just a really awesome movie and the editing and the cinematography throughout it is awesome the way that it's presented and i mean yeah that's pretty much all i got to say on it i give it i give it four i I give it five out of five four and a half five yeah i give it five okay five Yeah. yeah it's
0: gotta be five i mean so i love this movie So much. This is, I mean, this is up there with the greatest of all time, in my opinion. It's, you know, this is so good. I mean, I can't, it's, there's just so much that Nolan puts in there. This is, this is by far the best superhero movie ever made because it's not a superhero movie. It tackles so much. uh, That's, I think
1: that's, (laughs) sorry to cut you off. I think that's what I was trying to say when I was like, couldn't get my words out about superhero movies. It doesn't feel like a superhero movie
0: because it's not there the super heroics aren't a necessity to the plot there's nothing crazy It's in, a lot deeper or, Yeah exactly they cuz um, I guess nobody has superpowers so uh, that's relevant it's kind of the super quote superheroes and supervillains are just vessels to carry his themes ideas. and uh ideas through but yeah i mean this is So many, like, existential themes that he has in here. Everything's, like, cross-cutting. Everything ties into each other. Yep. It's, I mean, the acting is superb. I mean, I can't say enough good about this movie. It's, I mean, just so good. So good.
1: Yeah, and it really, like, pulls you into it, too. Like, you feel the anxiety in scenes.
0: Oh, yeah. No, I, I, yeah. Yeah. No, I, I totally. I mean, and I'm at the point now. I mean, I still every time I watch it, I'm still drawn into it because it's that good. But right. I mean, I've seen this, gosh, a lot. I mean, well over 15 times, probably close to 20,
1: maybe. Wow.
0: Yeah. Ah, uh, yeah, I've seen this a lot. We're dealing with the an next here, folks. <laughs> I wouldn't go that far, but I mean, <laughs> it, it it does wear off a little. When you, any movie, when you watch it that much. It's gonna. You're not gonna be on the edge of your seat as much because you know mm-hmm. exactly frame by frame what's gonna happen. You know you've memorized it. But I'm when I I first saw this in theaters when it came out, and I was just blown away. Like the whole, like you said, the whole time I was on the edge of my seat, especially in the theater. I mean, it mm-hmm. was oh, such a great experience. But anyway, let's move on to the summary. I tried to shorten it. It's kind of long, but I tried to shorten it, so I cut out some stuff. So we'll just get through this, and then we can dive on into the the themes. Buckle up. Buckle up, baby. (laughs) After the events of Batman Begins, Bruce Wayne is still fighting the underworld of Gotham City as Batman. Batman works with the police and Lieutenant Gordon to confiscate the mob's money, but it's already gone. Not yet worrying about a new threat named the Joker... Wayne goes to Hong Kong to capture the mob's money man and bring him back to be interrogated by Gotham's DA, Harvey Dent. Dent, now dating Wayne's ex and friend, Rachel Dawes, is able to get a confession and thus put away a majority of of Gotham's underbelly and mob in one fell swoop. The remaining mob are then convinced it's time to hire the Joker to take out Batman. The Joker threatens to kill unless Batman reveals his identity to the city. Bruce decides to reveal his identity, but Dent takes the fall instead and is taken into custody. The Joker tries to kill Dent, but is thwarted by Batman and Gordon and taken into custody himself. He reveals that he reveals to Batman that Rachel and Dent are both about to die, and Batman goes to save Rachel. But it is Dent who is saved and scarred in the process. <laughs> As Batman saves Dent, the Joker escapes. Dent goes on a revenge spree against the mob and corrupt cops that took Rachel from him and kills multiple people. Meanwhile, Batman tracks the Joker down and catches him again. He then saves Gordon and his family from Dent's revenge plan and takes the blame for Dent's murders and rides out as the hero Gotham deserves.
1: End of movie. So, so best opening sequence of any movie ever? Possibly.
0: Yeah. I mean, every time. I mean, like I said, I've seen this so many times, but every time I'm like, man, this is just like such a bold way to start the movie. Like you wouldn't expect the Batman movie to start like this, you know?
1: No. Well, the, and, and so it kind of it kind of takes superhero movies and tips them on their head in, in a way. You know, it, it mm-hmm. throws the thriller in. I don't know. It, it brings it to life too. Like it was just I, the whole tight crop on the mask in the, you know, the briefcase there and then like mm-hmm. the pan out and then the whole sequence that followed and how the camera movements went throughout. And then the, like, just down to the plan that these, uh, Joker goons were going to execute. Mm-hmm. I just, dude, I, like I said, I think it's the best opening. I have terrible memory, but it's the best opening. I'm, I'm just going to flat out say it on the record. The best opening to any movie I've ever seen. Period.
0: Oh, it's definitely, it's good. And then, you know, the way the bus pulls out, you're like, oh, man, this guy yeah. knows what he's doing.
1: Oh, the, I'm sure the Joker told you to kill me. No, I killed the bus driver. <laughs> and as he's, like, slowly circling around.
0: The bus driver? Uh, yeah, so good. Um, So, the first thing I want to bring up, and this is going to tie into all the other stuff we're going to end up talking about, is the... Just
1: like the movie does with everything it does. Exactly. <laughs>
0: the, the the theme that... per is throughout the rest of the film and all the themes is duality. So this is a, th- uh, a film that's just dripping with it. So the first, I mean, we have good versus evil, order versus chaos, uh, and Batman versus the Joker. Um, the, the good of truth versus the uh, good of lies. The line then, between the two the line between the two, um, Harvey Dent's duality. And then we have the duality of the dark Knight and the white Knight. So can go ahead. Sorry.
1: I I know, I I know you're going to go on a tear before, before you get into that. I want to, so out of all those dualities, you kind of just listed, do you have like a favorite that you kept coming back to or that the, the one that you liked the most or the one that you thought was the best used?
0: Not really, because they all, I mean, that's where I have, when I was writing down my notes, I was having trouble putting stuff into each category because stuff came up into the other categories. You know, it kind of seeps into each other. And that's, that's all part of the plan, as the (laughs) joker would say. So, I mean, I was having a hard time figuring out what to talk about in each one because they kind of, it's kind of a cross-cutting Th- like cross-cutting themes, mm-hmm. so I don't really have a favorite because I think they're all done well and they're all you. They're all benefiting each other. If you know what I mean. Right. What about
1: you? Um, I liked Harvey's coin.
0: Yeah, no, that's one of the best symbols. And for, yeah, like, because oh, it just it's so the good. way it
1: carried out through too. It wasn't like something that he adopted as he became this um, villainous man, you know, it was something that he kind of, he maintained throughout the movie and he, it went from, it jumped that line with him from good to evil, you know, cause when you first see it in the movie, it's, it's kind of just like a flirting mechanism kind of, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like they're talking about chance and luck and it's just kind of like what he, like a little tool to have a conversation with or whatever. And then, um, as it, you know, progresses through the movie, you see it at the end where the one side's burnt and the other side's fine just like he is and he uses it to determine people's fate.
0: Yeah. So I see uh I see the coin as so when it's double-sided that's him that symbolizes him sticking to his code of ethics and morality. He knows what the answer is going to be and so he always knows how do I want to phrase this? He knows what the answer is, so there's no there's no chance. there's no question of what is going to happen. He's right. sticking he's sticking he's, to his ethics and his morals, and that is what's driving him not not chance. And I love that too
1: is he is he's creating his luck.
0: Yeah, but I mean, he never I mean, I guess with like Rachel. But I mean well, I don't know. Well with see Rachel and him...
1: the cases that he pursues and and kind of his bold um persona kind of thing, like he has the confidence to maintain and and continue with you know his ideas and push his ideas forward. So he kind of just creates his own luck. He knows what the outcome's gonna be, just like you were saying. And, yeah, and I yeah, but think it kind of all ties into that.
0: I don't think he's creating luck though, because it, it's just it's a symbol for him like it's a symbol for him. It's not It's not actually benefiting him. I mean, it got him the date. But regardless of that, I mean, he was going to take that case. You know, he was going to be he was going to take the lead on that case anyway. And you know what I mean? So I don't know. I just see that as him. He's just not leaving anything to chance, you know, whereas once it gets scarred and then we see anarchy and chaos because anything can happen, you know. Mm-hmm. and like the joker says later on or no i guess i guess dent says that but the joker says something else to that effect but uh dent says the only morality in a cruel world is chance so he's just putting it out and he's letting the universe decide the answer you know
1: yeah i guess i was looking at we will to disagree on this one again
0: <laughs> I, I was
1: just i was kind of looking at the fact that chance is luck in a way and if you create if you take away the opportunity for chance then you basically create your own luck and the way that he kind of was establishing himself throughout the city i guess is the way i was looking at it up to his rise and then his fall
0: i can but see that let's all let's right. move
1: on we can move on <laughs> all right
0: so let's talk about plato and not the kinds you used to eat in kindergarten. Um, so Plato had this thing called, talked about a thing called the noble lie. And so when he talked about it, he used an example of, if you tell, tell the masses that God, the gods put gold in the bodies of noble people or influential people in society and lesser materials like bronze or iron or whatever in the bodies of the peasants and farmers then they'd be more willing to accept their lot and life and because it was because it was uh, given from God you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. God gave them that lot so they were more the gods I guess for Plato so they were more likely to accept it and accept society's structure. So, uh, the Dark Knight deals with this because we have a cut. We have, I mean, this is I mean this is the big kicker at the end is the Batman gives the noble lie, or I guess he sacrifices himself to it, and Gordon gives the noble lie to the people of Gotham because. As was noted at the very beginning, when, I can't remember who Dent's talking to, but uh, they're like, if you, if anybody gets anything on you, all I think it's the mayor, he says, if anybody gets anything on you, all these guys are going free, you know? Right. And so, Batman sacrifices himself and because... For the good of the city. The, exactly. For the good of the city and the ideal of what Harvey Dent stood for. Right. Before he took his turn, because if if everybody knows that he took his turn to evil or chaos or whatever and started killing people, then the society is going to lose faith in their idol,
1: especially when it, it started looking like Dent was, you know, the city's new newfound hero, the D.A. that was putting the crime off the street, making everything safer wasn't afraid to stand up to people. He was you know the the powerhouse oh. behind the good that was happening in the city, and to take that away would just kind of be essential to erasing what he did even though he had good intentions when he was doing it before the accident.
0: Exactly. He's the white knight. What? He's the pure he's the pure knight, the pure ideal of what Gotham can be. Whereas Batman is the dark knight, he's what He's the ugly necessity of what the city needs. Yeah. You know? So. uh, Because
1: if it was all just every day was great, you know, you wouldn't need, you wouldn't need a vigilante like Batman. Exactly. And that's what
0: Batman talks about. He's like Harvey can, Harvey gives the, the ideal of Harvey Dent gives him the opportunity to hang up his cow, you know? Yep. Uh, Because once Harvey cleans up the streets, Legit and puts everybody in jail, then there's no need for Batman anymore because Gotham's not going to be the you know gross, disturbed city in the DC universe. <laughs> <laughs> so, and then we see we see this pop up again. In I mean, that's why it's under in, in that's why it's intercut at the end with the letter that Rachel gives to Alfred to give to Bruce.
1: The noble lie,
0: exactly. And so. Because she's gone, it doesn't do it doesn't do anybody any good for Alfred to tell Bruce that she would have gone with Harvey right because everybody's dead there's so, nothing
1: to, yeah, and there's nothing to gain from that at all exactly
0: and Bruce can live with that ideal of what could have happened, you know yeah, for sure. and that can keep you know keep him moving forward and if if Alfred wouldn't have burnt that and given it to him. You know, who knows, Bruce could have gone off, you know, gone off the deep end or, you know, whatever.
1: Right. He could, that could have been his trigger to go mad.
0: Yeah, that's one way to look at it.
1: Be an interesting all ending
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, But not the one we deserve.
1: I <laughs> you know, just while, while we're on the topic of uh, looking at, I guess you were looking at some philosophic scholars... Um, this movie had just a ton of great quotes that are, I mean, that are quoted like all throughout every, uh, like all throughout the land. I don't know why I almost worded it like that, <laughs> but they're quoted everywhere in everyday life, you know, like the hero we deserve, not the, or the hero we need, not the hero we deserve. Can no, me? the Wait, hero we deserve,
0: can- but no, it's the hero we deserve, but not the one we need right now.
1: But not the one we need right now. Okay. Yeah. I get the point. Anyways, um, <laughs> those, those sayings like that end, uh, you know, dense. Uh, I have it written down here. Let me just figure it out. The world is cruel, and the only more uh, morality in a cruel world is chance—unbiased, unprejudiced, fair. Um, mm-hmm. Chance, but you know, you, you get all these like ideals, and, and it was scholarly written. I guess I, the 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 script, uh, the dialogue for these characters was very, um, you know. There was no doubt about it that it was made to carry these ideas throughout the movie, but that they've stuck around and kind of have found their own spot in the world after the movie was done and gone with, and people can quote this outside of just talking about Batman.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I no, think, I mean, I think I,
1: serves a purpose on itself.
0: I mean, this is one of the most <laughs> pervasive movies in like popular culture, Easily. since it's been released. You know what I mean? Easily, yeah. Just like. Yeah, because it's so good, and it it tackles these issues in such a smart way. So I guess jumping off as, I mean, we were talking about Harvey. The noble eye was to put him up as an ideal. And I think the easy, I mean, we can just move right into religion because... As we do. <laughs> as we Well, no, let, first let me ask you. Do you think noble eyes are a good thing
1: yeah it's kind of it's kind of like that uh you know it doesn't hurt it doesn't hurt anybody yeah I, that's a good question right i could i could think about it all day i guess <laughs> my snap response would be um yes but obviously not all the time like noble eyes are a good thing for durations and in, in certain times you know yeah I, That's, I mean, I, it's yeah. never good to lie, it, obviously, <laughs> but, you know, there's also, you know, it, it goes back to the fact that just like ignorance is bliss, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Is it, is it a bad
1: thing if it doesn't interrupt your life and it helps you move toward your goal, your end goal? Um, or do you want to know every single hiccup throughout the, throughout the road to get there? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, no, now, that's, I, mean, I mean, that's a really good question. Yeah, what, what are your thoughts on it?
0: No, I don't know the answer, but, I mean, I see, <sighs> I see the good in it. You know, I see how it can benefit society, but it's like, you know, I'm an adult. I can handle the truth. You know what I mean? Right. It's like there's every... no – like the government – the government or whoever, I mean, in this case, it would be, you know, it has to be some overarching, powerful position or group of people that are giving this lie. Mm-hmm. But I i don't I'm just, it's just like I don't it's just like, man, can't you just like tell people the truth and trust that people are smart? But then I think about that, uh, uh, you know, the quote in Men in Black and it's right before uh, Will Smith accepts the job. And he's talking to Tommy Lee Jones, and Tommy Lee Jones is he says like we can't let any of these people know what's going on or they would lose their minds or something like that. Mm -hmm. They would they would go crazy.
1: that's a great movie.
0: It is a good movie. And Will Smiths are like no people are smart. They could handle it. (laughs) And wrong. Uh, Tommy Tommy Lee Jones is like no a person is smart. People are dumb, erratic, whatever. Something he goes on. Mm -hmm. But the point is. People as a whole can be really stupid, so these noble eyes can really tie tie the society together. You know right. what I mean, and really benefit and move society forward.
1: I mean, I like, and, I like to think I like to think that everybody can take that information and, and process it in a way that still makes sense to them, and, and that they take information and understand it fully. But we know too well that people won't and don't.
0: Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's the Joker's whole point. And he would have been proved right because he succeeded in doing what he planned and that was turning Dent. And his whole point was people are people are, you know, terrible creatures that can do terrible things and morality's just a sham that's dropped at the, you know, whatever. Drop of a hat, you know. Right. And all they take is, all all they need is a little push.
1: And they, well, I feel like human beings as a whole, we just walk on that, that edge of chaos, you know, we're, yeah, and we're we're, a little we're, bit too hard and we're off that cliff and chaos can turn people in, into, into crazy people who, who, you know, see the world in, in a Joker's perspective with yeah, no ifs, ands or buts. And some people just want to watch the world burn. Yeah.
0: And I think, I mean, the Joker wasn't making people like him. He, he didn't make people that wanted to watch the world burn. He wanted to show that people are self-interested. Right. You know, and at their core, they don't care about anybody else but themselves.
1: And, and Yeah, his whole thing was he didn't, you know, he was asked constantly what he wanted.
0: And it was nothing.
1: Never. Yeah, uh, it was never anything.
0: So uh, the Joker's whole point is that our our morality can, we can just lose it. As soon as society breaks down, Let me think of there. I mean, I, I think you you probably read it. I know I read it in high school, uh, Lord of the Flies. Yeah, and which is not my favorite book. I I don't really love that book. But anyway, it deals it's with not kind a terrible of the same book thing.
1: for one that is required reading in high school.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's true. But I, I read a lot better required reading in high school. But I digress.
1: I did not. Um, but mostly, <laughs> that was not due to uh, the requirements. It was due to. My lack of wanting. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, so that deals with the same thing. Like when the when these boys are tossed onto this island with no uh, supervision, little by little, I remember the one scene: the one kid's throwing rocks by another kid, mm-hmm. and he's and he's throwing them away so they're not close to hitting them. And then little by little, he just comes closer and closer to hitting the kid because he's kind of figuring out: wait, there's gonna you know there's not going to be any repercussions uh there's no societal uh standard for me to adhere to right. there's no punishment for me to do to do wrong so when society breaks down humans just turn into turn into animals and they'll eat each other as the joker says um so this brings in this this brings into religion as I guess we were planning on talking earlier, but we got sidetracked, which is all right, uh, with the question of the noble lie. <laughs> but so we were talking about Harvey and there's the obvious uh, allegory here is Harvey Dent as the Christ figure. So we see like in his uh, his campaign slogan is I believe in Harvey Dent. Uh then when there's the campaign footage, he has his arms outstretched, like, you know, on a crucifix. Uh, and then at the end, and then, well, I guess in general, he's just the ideal of good
1: mm-hmm. that's
0: going to bind the city together. It's He's the thing that this whole city can look up to.
1: The coming this, of Harvey Dent is what will make the city righteous and, and, and fair.
0: Exactly. He will bring justice and order and a new... I guess a new rain, you know. Yeah, that's put gonna, the bad
1: guys in one set, in one. The, put the bad guys in one boat, and all the good people in the other.
0: <laughs> he's gonna, he's gonna clean the city, you know, and wash it of sin. And but this, this shows. I mean, this movie shows the the Christ without resurrection, which is not usually shown. You know, usually you see the character that is. Usually when Christ imagery is in uh, a film, that character is sacrificing themselves for either the world or the greater good or whatever, you mm-hmm. know. But in this case, he doesn't sacrifice himself. He, he needs to be killed. And Batman has to break his role to do that. But he's also, I guess he kind of is resurrected in a sense. Because the Dent Act would be the resurrection of him. It's a lie, but it's the resurrection. That's how the noble lie ties in. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I can see it's, that. Yeah,
1: that's good. I didn't didn't notice that.
0: So, I want to talk about, so, a great, a fantastic book, and my favorite story in that book, The Brothers Karamazov, there's a, a chapter and a story, uh, Named or called the Grand Inquisitor. And in it, so the Brothers Karamazov, it's uh, about three, well, I guess more than that, but three brothers who are all very, who are all very different. And the one is like super smart, the one's super religious, and the one's just like a, a bum. And um, the religious one, is talking, so shout out to Wisecrack on YouTube. They have a great video on the Grand Inquisitor and the Dark Knight and how they tie together. So just wanted to shout them out. But, uh, so, (laughs) the story goes, the one, the Smart Brothers telling the story to the Religious Brother on uh, just, uh, I guess, a general story on religion. So it's during the uh, Inquisition in the middle ages and there's and the the grand inquisitor who's in charge of the whole inquisition is, you know, killing people left and right cuz they're not, you know, catholic enough. And Jesus comes down back to earth and he starts like doing miracles and healing people and stuff like that. And the grand inquisitor puts him in jail. And it's like, hey, you—you uh, you can't be doing this, man. You're kind of messing everything up. And Jesus is like, well, you know, I'm kind of the guy your uh, whole religion's based off of. Hate to but, tell you this, uh, uh, <laughs> but anyway, the the Grand Inquisitor is like, in effect, he says, "Man will not worship you just because you give them the chance of everlasting life. They need, uh they will not worship you just because you are good and worthy of worship uh people uh are gonna chase after whatever worldly desires they want to and they need to be they need to be uh reined in by a powerful figure somebody who's willing to punish them you know and that's what the inquisitor's doing so this idealistic take on religion in the inquisitor's eyes it would never Take off. There needs to be a structure and a an order and a confinement that the people need to get to that everlasting life. You know,
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, because they'll never just on their own. They'll never choose uh, whatever an afterlife to the uh, worldly life they have now. Right. So, uh, we see. In a in a in effect, we see that in this movie where Dent is the, I guess Dent is the ideal that needs to be held up, and Batman is the order that's making people bow down. You know, ah, mm-hmm. uh, he's the one that's forcing people to accept this, <laughs> accept this religion, or accept this set of standards that society can come under and it'll benefit society. You know what I mean? Right. But, I mean, that's that's the basis of it. Uh, I don't know if you have any thoughts on that.
1: That's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, it, it's kind of interesting, like, the uh, yeah, like, respectively, how they compare to, you know, the theme we were talking about from the brothers – Help me out with the last name there. Karamazov. Karamazov. Um, just because I, I think, like, going through, to you, you see, like, the battle between, if you're looking at it in a way of just straight up uh, light versus dark or white versus black, you see the battle between um, the two and how they could benefit each side throughout the movie. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think it kind of comes to a head in the, in the last scene when they're on a boat and there's the prisoners and, and the civilians, and that uh, they're kind of weighing out their options. And in a way, it's kind of putting together or it, they're weighing out their options in a way that's Batman's kind of vision on one side, which turns out to be like the prisoners, the darker side actually has that kind of the right idea behind it, right? And mm-hmm. the, the Joker or, I mean, if you want to call it like Harvey Dent's kind of way to go against that and, and rule by, um, you know, carrying a big stick rather, like, put it bluntly, is the civilians and the other one who are saying that the human beings on the other ship are just scum and they've, they've had their shot, you know, it's, it's time to continue with this, we're never going to make it out alive, it's them or us kind of thing. And I, I think that kind of pulls those ideas that you just talked about kind of together and and marries the two because they're balancing out the two options for both good and evil, for both what, well, obviously the Joker or Batman wanted, but in a way, Dent was kind of hell-bent on just getting his revenge too, so I would put him on the side of the, uh, as the Joker as well in the end there.
0: Yeah, but I, I guess I'm putting, I'm calling, I'm saying Dent before the fall, before the ah uh, death or before he turns into two-face uh dent as the idealistic christ figure you know yeah uh, he he is the ideal and he is what the people should be striving towards and they just need batman to uh which he he also said he he's the one that makes the sacrifice but they need him he is the
1: But Dent makes the sacrifice as well. No, he doesn't. To say he's the Batman. Well, I
0: guess. I guess that's his sacrifice. Right, yeah. Before he he falls.
1: Before he falls, yeah. We're talking pre-fall here.
0: Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I guess, all right, so... I guess the... The order by force is what I'm thinking of. Is like the the sonar that, that Batman employs... Okay, yeah. Uh, He's he's, uh, invading everybody's privacy, and it's, like, really not a good thing. And that's him kind of saving the people, quote-unquote, by not punishing them, but by something that's not necessarily good for them. He's... A dangerous road to travel on. Well, no, he's, uh... That's not what I'm going for yet. Uh he is ruling. He's, he's ruling with an iron fist, like the inquisitor. He's doing, he's doing
1: whatever he wants to do to get the job done without regard for others.
0: He is at that point, he is saying the, the ends justify the means, you know, just like the inquisitor. He's like, well, if I, you know, rule these guys with an iron fist and kill these people. So these people will, uh, accept christ or whatever and uh bow down to me then the society will be better we don't need this yeah i guess that's that's it the the uh, the idealist version isn't gonna do batman needs to use pure force to get these people to uh eventually bow down to this better society you know
1: yeah i get i i think the last couple minutes have been kind of muddy water there Um because it flip-flops, and that's kind of the point. It's not so cut and dry throughout it. But, yes, that, that definitely is one side of it, too. But I, I don't think it's a clear one way or another with Harvey as well because he makes that flop. You know what
0: uh, I mean? I guess. But he's he is – I mean, he's a perfect encapsulation of, of Christ but without a re- resurrection. You know what I mean? He falls – Ah, uh, but he isn't. He doesn't resurrect on the third day. You know what I mean? Yeah, he, yeah, I can see that. He, uh, he is this ideal that needs to be upheld as the noble lie. You know, and that's that's it. I don't know. I don't know what else to say. Well, let's move on.
1: Yeah, maybe we should. I got a little <laughs> confused there too. It got a little, got a little muddy. Yeah, no, going it, back can, get, it Sorry, can get it can get messy.
0: It's not it's not a perfect, but I still think. I still think the Grand Inquisitor is a good lens to look through that just because of the idealist versus uh, order or idealist versus force, let's say, of uh,
1: Harvey versus Batman. Well, yeah. Because Batman originally – It's the fact originally, that the belief – Sorry, go ahead.
0: No, I was just going to say originally Batman believes that all it all he needs is Harvey's idealism, you know? right and can and that would be good enough but then the joker shows them that no society society will crumble with just a little push so you need to you need to force people to be good you know and you need to give them a reason that they need to be good you know
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know what i mean uh that's kind of what i was getting at. and that's, that's kind of why
1: he wanted to keep batman around
0: because the Joker.
1: We, yeah. Why? To keep to keep that balance. Because if, yeah. if, if the Joker never came, right, uh, Batman would have probably just Bruce Wayne would have just chilled out. Harvey Dent would have kept doing his thing, and it would have yeah. lived up to that perfectly without a noble lie. But the only reason right. you need a noble lie is because Batman is in the mix now.
0: No, it's because and somebody had to
1: take the fall. Oh, you
0: mean the Joker's in the mix?
1: Or yeah, I'm sorry. The joke because the, yeah, yeah. yeah, the Joker's in the mix now, and somebody had to take a fall, and Batman had to be the one to take a fall, and the Joker all like he wanted to kill everybody who was getting in his way to everybody who was getting in his way from keeping him from showing society how corrupt it could be.
0: And oh, without don't, a, and don't, without a corrupt don't think society, you don't need Batman.
1: I guess is what I don't I'm think saying.
0: that I don't think that's true. I think he was uh, he was going to show one way. or another. He didn't want to kill Batman.
1: No, that's what I'm saying.
0: Yeah, so he didn't want to kill anybody that would put uh...
1: anybody that hindered his his path to Batman at all. Because I'm sorry, I, I guess it should be clear his path to bringing Batman out, to keep Batman alive in the city, and coming out to fight these these villains and, and criminals.
0: But he doesn't know. That's not the Joker's plan. No, 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 no. I disagree. No, the Joker's plan is to show how cruel society is. He doesn't care if the Batman keeps fighting against these mobsters and stuff. I don't think that's relevant to him. I think he wants to. He all he want he his his end goal was to corrupt Harvey Dent, and to watch the city crumble under this uh when the people see the facade that harvey put on when he actually was a murderer you know that was the joker's goal
1: yeah but was to
0: instill chaos he didn't care if batman was fighting crime still i don't think i think that's irrelevant
1: but i think without batman there is no like if, if without chaos there's no batman
0: I get I guess I see what you're saying. It's the it's the order versus chaos. It's the immovable uh unstoppable force meets the immovable wall.
1: Right. And 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 so I guess what I'm what I'm trying to say is uh the only way to keep um how am I trying to put this? The I guess Batman was kind of the thermometer or barometer or whatever the <laughs> measuring you, unit utensil is that that helped joker know on the chaos scale kind of where it was at because if batman needed to keep coming in to to save these and then that's what he says too he said kill you i don't want to kill you i need you yeah so without i guess what i was looking at it as is is without chaos there would be no batman and Without without order
0: there's no opportunity for chaos and without chaos there's no opportunity for order right I can, or I guess each of those lose their meaning without the other. Yeah, is what I guess. Is that what you're saying then?
1: Sort yeah. of. Yes. I don't know. We could have moved on ten minutes ago. <laughs>
0: um. Well, I guess we're already talking about order versus chaos, so let's keep going. So, just some very simple, uh, on the face things. Uh, one of the real cool things they did, or uh, Nolan did, was. In the scene where the Joker comes up to Bruce's penthouse when he's having his fundraiser, uh, we see the these re- really smooth tracking shots of uh, Bruce walking down the hall and you know taking the guy out mm-hmm. and taking apart the gun and walking into his safe room, blah blah blah. And then on the other hand, we have when the Joker comes in, it's this shaky handheld, you know, this chaotic these chaotic movements. And so I mean just on the face that's, you know, your very ordered, nice smooth shots with chaotic handheld shots. And then we also, I mean when when they're talking about the the Joker and that he just wants to watch the world burn and wants to instill chaos into society, we're in the we're in the the new back cave that's super super ordered, super crisp, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh and just the duality there. Those those were some just on the surface things I noticed in terms of shooting style and the way they kind of he kind of set up shots. Yeah uh, as, as a way of you know portraying those that duality.
1: For sure. And I think another thing too with just the planning behind in, in the cinematography and this is it was kind of easy to notice, but at the beginning of the film when um Harvey or, yeah, Harvey is um, putting away criminals and, and just kind of cleaning up the streets of Gotham or whatever. Gotham's a, a bright place. It's vibrant with color. And the the men and the scenes that are... The men and women with Rachel as well, the main characters are all kind of wearing these like bland colors, uh, darker colors. And as, as the scene progresses, um, the contrast kind of shifts to the only outlier... I guess what I'm trying to say, the outlier... In the beginning, are these, uh, are, is the good, overwhelming good in in Gotham that's going on and the change that's happening? And as the movie progresses, you get uh, you start to see less color, and it, it makes a shift toward um, most of the color is coming from, uh, you know, is the Joker, which makes him stand out a lot of the times. But you're working with a lot more like darker colors, and uh, throughout the scene, and it kind of gets to a grimy. It, it goes from being like very clean cut to a grimy city, but I think that is represented in the color as well, where the vibrant, uh, the vibe, what am I trying to say? Uh, the vibrance of the city is, um, almost just not overwhelming, but it's, it's there pretty heavy in the beginning where at the end it's, it's washed away as the chaos kind of overtakes everything. It slowly starts to eat away at this vibrant city and turn it into this grimy, run-down, dark um, Mm -hmm. color. And though the characters like uh, Batman and, um, you know, Officer, uh, not Officer, Commissioner Gordon and, uh, you know, Harvey before the face restructure, (laughs) you know, they were all very tact and I don't know how to put it, but they were all very, like, sharply dressed, and as it goes on, they kind of stay the same except for Harvey, where Commissioner Gordon, Batman, are all kind of dressed the same. Harvey gets this grimy or dirtier look, and it's almost kind of like the... just the visible transition from, uh, you know, good Order to bad. Order to chaos. Order to chaos, yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, true. No, and the, I mean, like... Yeah, half of his shirt's burnt. You know, the top part of his suit is burnt and his face. Uh, I mean, it's super evident. And uh, like you were saying, like all the shots, even, I mean, throughout the whole movie, all the shots with Batman or, I mean, more so with Bruce Wayne, it's all these crisp, clean shots, you know, and all the shots with Joker in them are, you know, it just makes you feel dirty. And uh, like you were saying... The general movie, you know, regardless of those two, all the scenes or most of the scenes at the beginning of the movie are pretty crisp. And then pretty much right when uh, Harvey gets, you know, the explosion or whatever happens, that's when the whole movie. I mean, like the boat scene, all the other stuff, it's it's just like makes you feel super gross. Yeah. And, and I mean, like, you still see like societies like society's falling apart
1: right you still see color throughout but i guess my point being is it got less and less and less prevalent throughout the movie and i kind of looked at that as the chaos kind of eating away chipping away at the city to make it to where it was and then it reemerges because when they're uh honoring dent there at the end it's uh is it sunrise or middle of the afternoon it was a bright it was in the daytime where most of the movie kind of takes place at night you know and that's okay. just another black and white transition too. Is at the beginning of the movie you see a lot of uh, see a lot of daytime scenes, whether that's at the DA's office or um, at Wayne Enterprises or just in Gotham in general. Aside from aside from obviously the dirty deals that are going on at night, but then uh, you know when chaos really like kind of takes over at first, it's when the Joker kind of comes into the penthouse party and that's at night and that's a dark scene again and that's kind of a dull coloring and, and everything like that that was um you know it reminded me when you were talking about him walking down the hall the track shot there of him dissembling the gun and tossing it you know this movie didn't really show a lot of violence but it alluded to a lot of violence and i thought that was interesting
0: Yeah, there's yeah, there's not much. I mean,
1: I I mean, there's there's really uh, the the most gruesome part of this whole entire movie is, um, Dens face.
0: Yeah, I guess graphic violence.
1: Graphic violence, but I mean, still show a lot of people dying. The pencil scene, you don't see anything. You just know what. No, yeah. You they alluded to it. You know, him shooting uh, the the people in the bank. You know, it's not like some slow mo, uptight Tarantino movie. (laughs) yeah. Yeah. Tarantino movie where the blood splattered and people were flying back 30,000 feet and everything like that. But it, it's, it just alludes to all the violence. You know what I mean? Um, even yeah. dense death, uh, you know what happened? You see the, you see the start and then you see the, the end, you know? Um, mm. it was just shot in a very creative way because it just alluded to all that violence rather than show all that violence in, in crystal detail, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's true.
1: And I just thought that was, like, kind of a creative thing that I didn't even really notice my first couple times watching it, and then it was, like, this time I was watching that, and I was just like, you know what? Like, he doesn't really, like, he doesn't shoot anybody. Like, uh, even slicing, uh, what's his name? Gamble? Slicing Gamble's throat?
0: Oh, yeah, they don't show any of that. They don't show any of that,
1: but you know what happened. Uh, Every time he pulls out a knife in, in, in... you know, you, you're like waiting for that scene where something crazy happens, but it never does. Even Harvey Dent shooting the driver, as soon as the shot goes off, the camera's outside of the car and you just see it, you know, um, so it was just shot in a very creative way in that aspect. It didn't show violence really. But then when yeah. it did, you know, you're like, oh my gosh. Yeah. But yeah, a lot of detail yeah, on never... the face.
0: Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Yeah, I never noticed that before either, but that's uh, that's interesting. So, one more thing I want to talk about is the theme of power and who wields it. And uh, when, I guess, yeah, who wields it and if or when and how that can be good or bad. So, Harvey actually alludes to this uh, when he's talking to Rachel and he's he's like the Romans. The Romans used to make one person dictator in times of crisis, and they would take control of the city and you know uh, fight back against whoever was attacking, or whatever the problem was. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Rachel says, "Well, the last guy who did that was Caesar, and he never relinquished his power." And then that's when Harvey says, uh, "Well, I guess you either die hero or you live long enough to see yourself become the villain," which obviously. Is what happens to him. But Batman holds him up as the as dying as the hero. He didn't let him live long enough or tell anybody that he lived long enough to be the villain. Mm -hmm. But anyway, this theme of kind of becoming dictator is seen we see this in Batman, especially at the end when he uses that sonar. Uh because he
1: possesses all this he possesses all these powers that, you know are really only available to him
0: well that too but more so but he wasn't really taking control of the city or putting the whole city under his thumb you know right until he gets that sonar machine and that's when lucius is like no this is wrong like one person shouldn't have this much power uh over everybody else right and that's when bruce is like yeah that's why i'm putting you in charge of it or whatever and so this harkens back to, I think, like the, the Roman that's held up in this regard is, uh, Cincinnatus. and he took when there was, I can't remember what that crisis was, but he took control of the, of the Republic and, you know, saved whatever crisis was going on, saved them. And then as soon as the crisis was over, he relinquished his power and went back to farming. Pretty much what Batman does here. He's he's using this power to resolve this imminent crisis. This imminent threat to the people of Gotham and the city. And to society. And so he's taking upon himself to use this vast amount of power to resolve this issue. And then he is going to give it up. You know? And... That, you know, mm-hmm. Morgan, Morgan Freeman's character does the same or he plugs it in. And that's when he the power is given up for both of them because the thing explodes. And then I noticed this time the same uh, another character taking on this same role as Cincinnatus is that uh, the big the big, huge uh, prisoner on the boat.
1: Oh, yeah. When he
0: goes up and he takes it. And he said I'll
1: do what we should have done along where we should have done 10 minutes ago he said.
0: Yeah, exactly. And he takes it and throws it out the window. So he's taking control of this crisis situation and doing what uh nobody else could do, you know. Mm-hmm. He's he's making the decision for everybody else and then he takes I mean he only has the power for 2 seconds, but he's taking the power and then immediately giving it up, you know. Right To get rid of this, to get rid of this, uh, what shouldn't be done.
1: He only used it to, he used it for the greater good of the people and then realized that it was enough.
0: Yeah, exactly. He didn't, he didn't want that power to, to kill those people or whatever. Right. Whereas the democratic option we see all throughout the film. I mean, especially on the boat scene when they clearly vote to kill the other boat the the civilian ship clearly votes to blow up the other ship uh we see that democracy in that situation of crisis would lead to many more deaths you know yep uh as opposed to one person taking control and uh making the decision that isn't the easy one yep so we see that in the boat scene and then in uh all of Joker's, I don't know what to call them, his antics. It's so like with, uh, he kind of puts everybody in a position to just think for themselves, you know, to mm-hmm. just be looking out for themselves. Whether it's with Gamble's men when he breaks the the pool stick, when the, the robbers all kill each other to up their shares, to kill, what's his name, Reese, uh, to save the hospital, or to save... Yeah, to save from the hospitals blowing up, he's always he's always putting this power in the hands of the people as a whole to do whatever evil they will do to benefit themselves, and we see the need. We see the need for one, for a single individual to grasp power and control society for only the length of the crisis but to bring society back to an ordered position.
1: And only doing it when no one else would.
0: Well, not necessarily there was no when other no one option. else I, when, I guess Exactly. Yes. There was
1: no other option, right? Not that nobody else wanted control. There was a, boy, there was a void that wasn't going to be filled unless the, unless they stepped up.
0: Yeah. And it's not that nobody else wanted to control, but that they were the right. I mean, mainly Batman, but also that prisoner but it was the right. right person to seize control. And this is a very... I mean, the whole uh, Dark Knight trilogy, no one kind of sets up a very authoritative look. Even though Batman is a vigilante, it's a very authoritative look at or why authority is good or why authority can be good. Can, Not yeah, always. I was just going to
1: say can be good.
0: I mean, because I mean, Batman still working outside of the legal system, and we also see corrupt cops, you know. Who are working
1: Uh, against the good.
0: Exactly. So we see what's bad about, you know, authority as a whole. But when one person that's, you know, good and just takes control, we see how it can benefit society. But the problem is that most of the time when that one person takes control, they aren't that moral exemplar. You right. know, Very, very
1: few times is it is it the white knight that comes through and exactly. <laughs> saves the day. It's usually a, uh, a lion, a wolf in sheep's clothing. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure a lion would have a tighter fit, but yeah.
0: You know, I always think about that. Like, uh, not the lion
1: thing. Um, <laughs> I but, always think, could a lion fit in a sheep's skin?
0: <laughs> no, like uh, when George Washington, same thing. Like, he gave up his the role of president after two terms to set right. that president, to set that precedent of ge- giving up your power to, right. you know, and I think that was like super important for him to be the first, the first president to kind of set that precedent. Because and, it,
1: was bold. it was bold and it wasn't the popular or not the popular decision, but it wasn't the assumed, uh, it wasn't the assumed outlook on it.
0: Well, and he could have he could have just kept power until he died, which he died not soon after. But it was still like he could have had power until he until he died because people right. would have just kept voting him in. But he's like, no, I gotta you gotta relinquish power for the good of society.
1: So yeah, you, to show to show that it's not it's not one man that keeps society going. It's one man that like you know it's society that keeps society going.
0: Right, one man can safe society in times of crisis but oh the society needs to be able to function without that
1: you know well let's let's bring it let's bring this back too because this we can compare this to the the sonar system that batman you know proved that was like batman had the power to do that right Mm -hmm. all throughout the movie until that point he didn't do that until it was absolutely last resort which right. just showed that the power of the people overran the power of one person. Exactly. Because if it wasn't for all those people and all those sonar systems, it wouldn't have panned out the way it panned out. You know what I mean?
0: Oh, that's true. He's using society to help society. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. But he's still taking control of them. You know, he's using right. them when they're not aware of it. Yeah. So, but no, that's that's an interesting take I hadn't
1: thought about. Yeah, well, I didn't think about it either until we just, until just <laughs> then. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Do you got anything else, Ty? I think, uh, I mean, I just
1: want to talk about the cinematography of this movie. Yeah, let's do that. I I think, I think it had some of the best scenes, uh, especially when you, when you're talking about stills and compositions and, uh, you know, the golden rule for cinematography is every, every shot should be able to work as a still photograph too. Mm -hmm. And it just, it does that impeccably. The lighting throughout this movie is insane. One of my favorite scenes. Well, I have two in this movie. Um, as far as lighting goes, is the, uh, it's early on where Bat- the fight scene in the dance club or the club in general, where it's like, oh, yeah. the lights are like going back and forth. And then all you see is Batman just whooping this dude.
0: Yeah, it's a cool scene. Um,
1: no, but another, another great lighting scene is when the Joker is being interrogated and, and um, Gordon comes in. And he's talking to him, and then he takes the cuffs off. You know, and the whole time you've had the same lighting. It's nothing crazy. It's just like this bland lighting that drops off on the Joker's face, and then you just see the backlighting come on, and it's Batman right there.
0: Yeah, yeah, so that was a cool review. I remember the first time I saw that, I was like, Oh yeah, that's that awesome. reveals
1: <laughs> just great. I mean, and and it, as far as just just in general, I mean, the compositions of all these shots are insane. The way they shot it was great. The cinematography throughout the movie was awesome. I mean, you couldn't get a better actor i don't think to to play the joker in the way that they did and and kind of just uh his mannerisms that he had my f- all-time favorite shot if, if we're breaking it down into like stills is him sitting in the cell af- right after he got arrested
0: oh yeah just twiddling and his thumbs
1: dead center <laughs> twiddling his thumbs and it's just like this script because that that kind of wraps up the movie the color in the movie that i was talking about where everything around it is black and grimy and the only thing that has a little pop is the is the um, chaos in
0: the scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I but,
1: do like um, that shot. Oh, it's so good. Such a great shot.
0: Um, yeah, a couple of the, just the things that I noticed, like in terms of that, were I just love the aerial shots, like yeah. whether uh, he was, so well done, whether he was in, uh, going to get, uh, what's his name? Lau. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: whether, <laughs> whether he was,
0: whether he's going over there, the, that big shot, just moving around the building when he's getting ready to, you know, go in and then when the plane picks him up and then the shots of Gotham too, when he's looking Mm -hmm. over Gotham, it's just like, just gorgeous.
1: It's awesome for sure. And I like the little, like little nuggets that they threw in there too, you know, like, um, the, (laughs) the scene where it was a fun little scene where the kids were pretending to shoot the cars. Oh yeah. And then they started blowing up like that. That was just as far as creativity goes, that was like, you know, you had a small gap to show that Batman was cruising through the city. What do you do? Do you just show him cruising through trying to trying to hit this car? Or do you, you know, that was like a great little yeah, it was
0: funny. Yeah.
1: nugget to toss in there. <laughs> um, I I just really like the creativity behind this movie, honestly. I think it was, uh, you know, especially I think it's really hard. And we talked about this with Star Wars, how I was like thinking through how hard it would be to come up with this concept and characters from nothing from scratch. I, I kind of take back my words that I said last week in that podcast, because I think it might be harder to take something that is, has been done in, in comic books and take those themes and build out this creativity from those things, because you have more restrictions than coming up with it from nothing.
0: Yeah. I mean like every, it, it's already known. It's already, an, it's right. already a, the structure's already set up. It's already a, yeah.
1: So you can only be it's so pigeonholed within limitations of the movie.
0: Exactly, it's already pigeonholed to being a certain type of thing and a certain style of thing. But I mean, I mean, if we're going there, I guess different different uh, runs by different writers and illustrators kind of have different different Batman. You know, you have your For sure. uh, your bright fun, you know, Silver Age Batman that's uh that's funnier more lighthearted, and then you have your like frank miller uh you know dark grimy old grizzled batman that's yeah you know rough and like uh individualist batman you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. uh so like we, you have these different ones and i think this does a good job of being its own thing you know yeah and i
1: think that would be kind of difficult too right like do you play into do you play into that like that golden age or silver age you know of being just kind of more dadish. i think okay would be a good way to put it right yeah um compared the answer to answer being... is
0: no
1: <laughs> <laughs> right but yeah he did he did a good he did like a solid thing about bringing in uh, yeah he did a, he did a solid take his own take um on batman and i think it was a good mix of a small joke here or there but for the most part it's a serious kind of uh kind of guy who you know gets business done and, and is a likable character a likable hero
0: yeah and when, i mean when you
1: oh sorry go ahead
0: oh i was just gonna say like this is the first this is one of the few superhero movies and like this is the first time batman was portrayed this is like a realist this is Nolan putting superheroes in a realistic world. Right. Like he's it's fitting into a realist lens of it's not supernatural or uh super He's not from a different
1: planet. He's a human. It's he's it, not it's, filled it's very with some like some radioactivity uh radioactive material. You know, it's it's Yeah, he's just I mean, a badass man.
0: Yeah, and it's just like I mean, even in, like, the 90s, it was different. Like, this is just a very realistic, uh, I wouldn't say trilogy, a very realistic uh, couple movies. Because, <laughs> um, like, all this all this could happen. Not I mean, to an extent, but, like, in, there's nothing in lesser that's degree. unbelievable. Yes. I mean, yes. some crazy guy could, you know, start killing people, and then there could be some... You know Elon Musk could uh, break out his bat suit and you know start start uh, tearing it up. But you know what I mean. It's a, it's a very realistic interpretation of uh, some non realistic source material.
1: For sure. I just want to throw this out there while we're on the topic. I know he had some corrupt cops and got them, but how do you not get a little suspicious when you look to your left at a ceremony and you see? a guy who kind of resembles the Joker but maybe just without makeup. To but nobody's tea. seen him to without makeup.
0: He was on All right, he was on TV like once at that point. On TV once with his makeup for like a couple seconds. You know, I don't think cuz like the first time I saw this when I was looking at him, I didn't see Heath Ledger under those under that makeup.
1: I didn't see Heath Ledger under the makeup either. But I'm saying in that scene you see the you see the scars
0: Yeah, but, I mean, that... I don't... I I don't know. I don't... I don't don't,
1: know. Anyways, while we're on the topic, Heath Ledger, too. I mean, he's... He played an incredible Joker. Um, Shame that this was his last movie, but it... You know, going... Going throughout the entire movie, just his mannerisms paired so well with the way that they shot it. You know, you talked earlier about how they shot it in this chaotic, kind of handheld, lot of motion way. Um he played into that so well. It wasn't, it wasn't because when you're, when you're shooting a movie like that, I feel like you can lose a viewer's interest pretty quickly because it can be kind of nauseating watching this camera whip around and stuff, but it all played into his role. And it was almost like when you saw a smooth tracking shot of him, it made for something different. And the one I'm thinking of, and there's probably other ones, but when he walked out of the, or um, I'm sorry, the hospital, Mm-hmm. With a detonator, and I, I think it's pretty well known by now. But the emergency uh, catwalk behind him didn't blow up, and he kept pushing the button.
0: Yeah, um, that was And that was yeah. all improv. Yeah, no, that on wasn't a, on a
1: live to demo. That was the, the, that was a one take. That was yeah. a one take wonder. You know, and that's that's the kind of stuff that is just like incredible to see because it felt like that was so well planned to play into his character, but he was just so into his character that when there was that break in the script, he knew exactly how to play it out and finish the scene. And I think he did a heck of a job with that.
0: No, I mean, that's, I mean, that's, I think that's probably why he died. He got too, I mean, he went too deep, you know, he yeah. was too, he was too much the Joker. He, I mean, he was in it.
1: Yeah. And yeah, I, I, I mean, know, we probably I haven't talked too, about the. Was, Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead.
0: I was just going to say, we probably haven't talked about the Joker enough because, I mean, that... He is the key that holds this whole movie together.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he he really... He's... You know, there's a lot of themes that don't necessarily involve him, but if it wasn't for him, the themes wouldn't exist. He kind of is a highlighter in ways uh, throughout the movie.
0: Yeah, no, for sure. And that's... I mean, that's his whole... Even though he... I mean, like... Well, you can say he's like a nihilist that doesn't believe in anything. He gives that quote of the the beginning to the bank manager or whatever. He's like, yeah. well, whatever doesn't kill you simply makes you stranger, which doesn't make any sense. It's not supposed to make any sense. Just like the stories he tells to uh, Gamble and to uh, Rachel.
1: Neither of those because are he, true. He's throwing a wrench into into civilized life. He is the chaos. Exactly,
0: and he's nothing. Nothing he says makes sense just
1: like like uh, like it when, makes sense for him to say it
0: yeah but i mean just like uh alfred says he's like some guy some men just they don't have any there's no reason you can't reason with them there's nothing you can bribe them with they're they're not going they're not striving for anything they just want to watch the world burn and i mean that's right. that's his whole philosophy He just wants to tear apart society and I yeah. think it's, it's, it's just a super interesting, just a super interesting character to watch play out.
1: I agree. I agree. Um, definitely the best part of the movie. Well, I mean, yeah, definitely the best part of the movie was, was that it was what was watching his character throughout it. Because I mean, every plan he had, he was just a mastermind. He is the most chaotic yet most organized villain. I think in DC's universe,
0: he's a nihilist, but he has a plan. Like, he's still trying to prove a point. I think that's like, like Harvey says, he's like, uh, when he's in his hospital bed, he wants to go after the Joker when he's in his nurse's outfit. He's like, you're men, your plan, something like that. And the Joker says, Do I really look like a guy with a plan? And, but I mean, he is. I mean, like how intricate was this whole plan to get to this point? You know, exactly. Just like getting picked up and
1: getting arrested and and telling, telling Batman that Rachel was at one spot and Dent was at the other.
0: I mean, it's just brilliant to instill this chaos that he wants to, you know, watch the world burn to instill this chaos. He has such a meticulously crafted detailed plan on how to get to that point you know for sure it's uh just it's the uh, once again the duality of him as a character is interesting
1: for sure and, and that he laminates the duality of man just as much as harvey dent does eh, not uh, as much but near near as much
0: because no because he doesn't give any good he's just i mean he gives the organized and chaotic
1: right But that's the duality of man too though
0: I guess, but not. There's in, more than not... one
1: faucet for the for that. Facet. Facet. Faucet. <laughs> I was thinking, you know, I, you know what I almost said to be honest. What? I almost said Fosnot. <laughs> when um... it started coming out of my mouth and I cut it off short. You know what a Fosnot is? It's kind of like a donut. It's made out of a uh, potato. <laughs> it's pretty, pretty big in central PA. Anyways.
0: Anyways, um, I
1: want, I want you to keep that in. I want people to know. <laughs> I want people to know that I was thinking about potato donuts.
0: Oh, man. We're already an hour 20, so I don't I know, know what time. <laughs> That's about
1: potato donut time. <laughs> Fossknotts, um, baby.
0: No, I guess I can see that. It's just not the classic duality of man, good and evil, uh, that man struggles with. It's more of right, a Right, but to say that different. the
1: Joker doesn't show that concept would be wrong.
0: No, he shows duality. I don't think it's the duality of man.
1: He made me write duality of man in the notes. Uh, maybe Harvey did. It was late in the movie. I was tired.
0: <laughs> um, no, I uh and then I guess one more thing. if we're talking about the Joker still. The uh so I guess I want to talk about his laughter. And so he's laughing because because nothing matters to him. Like when he's talking to Batman, he's like, You can't you have nothing to threaten me by when he's in the interrogation room. When yeah. Batman's beating him up, he's like, You have nothing to threaten me by. You can't you can't get to me. And he's just laughing the whole time. Um, and so, he uses
1: that. He uses his. I guess. Ability. Like he taps into his ability of nothingness so well. Because he even used that to break out of the interrogation room later. He knows how to get under people's skin. Is, is what I'm trying to say. He I guess. He uses, yeah he uses his lack of. Nobody has leverage on him. He, he could care less about anything. Aside from.
0: Getting uh, to other people, or, you right. know, proving his point.
1: Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's that's one of his, not superpowers, but that's one of his, uh, you know, it's kind of like in school, you know, like if one of your friends was like digging on you or whatever, the only reason that you kept going was because you got a reaction out of them. And if you got the reaction of them just like, if you, if you punched somebody and they just laughed about it, it made you more mad. Yeah. You didn't get hit, but all of a sudden you're more upset than the person who did. Yeah. And I, and the Joker uses that to, uh, you know.
0: To yeah. A, a
1: plus degree. Yeah.
0: But uh, I guess to what I was saying earlier, like he's laughing because nothing matters. Everything's trivial. And he's. Uh, he's. I guess that's that's all. Uh, yeah, everything's trivial. <laughs> I, I guess that's where I was going with that.
1: Um, but I wanted joke to
0: laugh. No, I'm not going to do that. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> the one, I I don't know why, but I love this. Um, the When the fire truck's on fire, mm-hmm. you know, when they're going down and you see the uh, the fire truck sitting there, it's yeah. just like, it's just such a, the epitome of the Joker because he's he's confounding the rules of society. Like he's flipping, which we see this at the end. Through a nice, uh, nice camera work, um, he's flipping society on its head, and like you can't help but laugh when society is uh, the rules of society are turned over like that. You know, right? There's no.
1: Are you talking about nothing, the dialogue? Oh, sorry. Go ahead.
0: Uh, there's nothing good to say about it. All you can do, it's just so absurd. Like a fire truck on fire. It's so absurd. You have to laugh.
1: The irony and, in it is is almost too real,
0: yeah. Especially in and, this
1: in this context,
0: yeah. And like, and then at the end we see this uh, symbolize this society being turned upside down by the Joker. When the Joker is hanging upside down, and we see that awesome shot. So films films do that a lot.
1: Well, that dialogue but, too between the two is they're both upside down. Well, I mean, I'm sorry, they're not both upside down. No, they're both the right Joker. Side uh, the Joker is upside down. The camera angle is. Sh- oh wait, hold on. I'm trying to think. They're
0: back. both. the The camera shoots them right side up eventually, but it starts off filming the Joker is upside down. The Joker jumps off. The ba- Batman hits him with the uh, grappling hook and pulls him back up. So the Joker's upside down. You get that that first shot of the Joker being upside down, and it's in, it's cutting back and forth between Joker and Batman. You got Batman okay. right, Batman right side up, Joker upside down, and then slowly the camera the camera spins until the Joker's right side up, and then they're both in right side up shots. A lot of times films will do that; they'll employ that kind of shot. That it'll be an upside down shot, whether it's uh focusing on on shadows that are you know upside down or you know, it's just an upside down shot of the city. I know, uh, I think infinity war had one of those. They had an upside down shot of the city. And I think black Panther did too. If I'm, I'm on a superhero kick thinking about this, but (laughs) if they use it, it's used to symbolize the world being turned upside down society being turned upside down. And that's Mm -hmm. what the Joker's done. He's, he's flipped society, but as the camera spins, Batman's taking control of the situation and he's, Brought society back to a right side up position, you know, yeah, yep. uh, and I think that that shot does a really good job of showing that For uh, sure. the joker trying to pull the world upside down, bring society, you know flip society on his head where and then Batman Slowly. reverses all that, yeah, right exactly
1: all right, well, that's all I had to say, um wow. We've been going.
0: I guess that'll do it for us, Ty, right? That's all you got.
1: Yeah, that's that's all I got. I just want to end with uh, one question for you. Yeah. You have three seconds to answer it. Okay. Favorite scene from the movie? Oh, I don't know.
0: I can't answer that. I can't. What's
1: yours? You're past the three seconds. I already said mine. I'm talking scenes. as in let's 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 talk. as scenes as in uh, pictures, snapshots.
0: Oh, I don't know.
1: If I you don't had to know. pick one, if you had to pick one shot to be your to be your screensaver for the rest of your life.
0: <laughs> no, nah, I can't. You can't pick one shot from this movie.
1: It's impossible. You can. People have. I did. You can. Do I can't. Yeah, you can, Ryan. Oh, my gosh. Have a little fun. Live a little cut loose, Ryan. Nope. All right, I'll I'll give you another shot. Three seconds, favorite scene, go. No. What? (laughs) Ryan. All right, well, then tell people what we're watching next week so we can just hang up. Jeez. Sorry, folks. Ryan doesn't like to have any fun on this podcast.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's too good of a movie. I can't cut it up like that.
1: Um, I'm not asking you to cut it up. I'm I'm asking you to pull one scene that you think. Is your favorite point blank anyway? You haven't told the, have the end of the podcast. All right, that,
0: so. I'll think about it anyway. <laughs> you so, know, I'll come back to it <laughs> next week. We are doing the uh, the 1974 film Blazing Saddles, Mel Brooks' uh, classic,
1: shot 20 years before we were both born.
0: yep <laughs> it's uh, quite old um no it's one of my favorite comedies of all time but uh i guess uh, yeah you talk it up
1: yeah it up. Um, last time you talked of a movie i think it was true life and we all know how that panned out
0: yeah awesome best movie of all time right
1: <laughs> i love how you can pick that movie but you can't pick a favorite scene <laughs> so um, <laughs> where can people where can people follow us at
0: right uh so we're on uh twitter and instagram at roll it podcast on both of those and then if you have any comments want to complain about how we rambled this episode Or how we're uh,
1: Whatever Or how Ty mispronounces words <laughs> Or how
0: I can't pick a scene Tell us your favorite scene Shoot us an email at uh, Rollitpodcasts at, at gmail.com Brian uh, that was
1: a slick cop out But I'm not going to let you off the hook like that <laughs> And um, keep going
0: uh, Yeah that, I mean that's it uh, Give us a review if you have time That would really help us out um, yeah, but it
1: would let us know where we're at, what we're doing, what you like, what you hate. I'll bring a dictionary next week, I swear.
0: <laughs> and, and I'll uh, I'll bring a favorite scene next week. How's that
1: tie? No, Ryan, <laughs> terrible cop out, dude. <laughs> <laughs> terrible cop out. It was good. Um. So uh, yeah, and if you don't yet subscribe to us, wherever you're listening to us right now. Whether that's on Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, podcasts, um, iTunes, uh, wherever you're at, just subscribe to us. It helps us uh, kind of put us in a direction to know where where we're heading with this. Um, and but the thing that matters the most is just some feedback. So whether it's an email, a message on Twitter, or a handwritten letter that can be sent to Ryan <laughs> at
0: <laughs> No uh, Hard Pass I um yeah. Yeah, let us know what you think. Uh, hopefully you're enjoying it so far and I guess that'll do it for us.
1: We'll see you next week. Alright,
0: bye everybody.